filled the hearts of your faithful people with the power of your love, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. One of my favorite authors, Brene Brown, tells a story about one of the worst speaking engagements she ever had. Now, Brene Brown writes books about wholehearted living and ways in which we can identify the things that stand in the way of our real love and belonging. She's great. Anyway, Brene was invited to speak at a luncheon But she soon realized after her arrival that the person who invited her had no idea who she was. And so this organizer wanted to introduce her formally to this presentation. And so she asked for a resume. And Brene got out her notebook and gave her a copy of her resume. So the lady put on her glasses and starts reading through. And then her eyes get really big. And she says, this says that you research shame. And Brene said, uh, yes, ma'am. Her book says, suddenly I turned 10 years old. Anyway, the organizer then says, well, hmm, what else do you study? And Brene responded, well, I also research fear and vulnerability. Oh, no, no, no. The the, the event organizer just freaks out. No, this cannot be. And she leaves the room, and she goes and, and starts pacing in a hallway back and forth, her hands waving up in the air. What in the world is she going to do? She comes back to Brene and says, okay, this is how this is gonna go down. And she tells Brene, one, you are not talking about anything that gets in the way of happiness. You're going to talk about how to. How to be happy. People want how to. Number two, do not ever mention shame. People will be eating. (laughs) To which Brene Brown puts a little footnote in her book, great, my work makes people barf. (laughs) Number three, people want to be joyful and comfortable. Keep it Light and breezy. Light and breezy. And she writes in her book that the ladies making these motions that are a combination of Bob Fosse and Margaret Thatcher. Light and breezy. (laughs) So in Brene Brown's own words, this is a quote from the book. For 40 minutes I stood in front of this group totally paralyzed and saying things like, joy is good. (laughs) Happy is so, so good. We should all be joyful and have meaning because they're just so darn good. The people in the audience just smiled and nodded and kept eating their chicken salad. It was a disaster. The how-tos of being happy don't work because the how-tos depend on rules. Rules that are sometimes helpful, but when taken to their extreme, the rules often result in frustration, shame, blame, perfectionism, and splitting hairs on words. Enter today's gospel. The Pharisees want a how-to lesson from Jesus. They want Jesus to tell them that they are right 
that their hunger for following the law of Moses is exactly what they're supposed to be doing. They want recognition, and they want it from Jesus, and they want it now. But he's having none of it. So when Jesus asked them, did the baptism of John come from heaven or was it of human origin? And they respond, we do not know. Jesus offers, well, I'm not going to tell you either. He's not having it. They're not getting it. Instead, Jesus holds up a mirror to them in the form of a parable about two sons. These characters are interesting because I think we all have them Those types in our families, one who says yes and one who says no, who are you? But both both of these sons in this parable are asked to go to work by their father. One says, I will not, but later he goes and works. The other one smiles and says, sure, but then never does anything at all. And Jesus asks, who did the right thing? The Pharisees respond, well, the one who says no, but then goes, uh, goes into the vineyard because ultimately he honors the Father's wishes. And then Jesus lambasts them and says, well, honestly, God has opened this window of righteousness and salvation and blessing to you, and you want none of it because you're following rules. But the prostitutes and the tax collectors accept God's open hand. They found God's open arms of mercy. You don't get it. The priorities of the people of the rules, the how-to people, the Pharisees, could not even see the heart of God in anything they were doing. And Jesus holds that right up to them today. The law that they're trying to fulfill is completely devoid of any good news. It is lacking gospel. It lacks a heart. Besides the lack of a heart, they have this inability to see God in action among people who are different than they are, and it inhibits their ability to see a living God at all. Their God is found in the rules. And so it's absolutely no wonder why we hear other Bible stories about the Pharisees getting so mad at Jesus when he healed people on the Sabbath, their holy day of rest. He broke the rules. He led from his heart. His priorities were on the kingdom of God and not the self-preservation of himself or even of his religious tradition. Jesus proclaimed a gospel that was expansive and free and open to everyone. So why aren't we living into this gospel? I think we are at times, and I think we really want to, and I think we really mean to. But do you notice how we get hijacked by those who'd rather give us some kind of rules to follow or someone who tells us the rules or imposes rules on us than deepening our own walk of faith. We get sidetracked a lot in our lives by fads, by popular theology, by the politics of 24-hour news and unlimited internet access not only at home but pretty much on our phones anywhere we go. We lose sight of our mission because we start splitting hairs of different rules, some written, some unwritten. But we start splitting the hairs of rules just like the Pharisees. 
One way that we have all been involved recently. Disclaimer time. I am not taking sides on this issue. I want to say that I am only speaking about behavior. So I ask that you look at this from a lens of behavior and not that I am taking sides. Okay. One way in which we are all involved. All this controversy about the flag and the national anthem and football, this is a sideline issue. Are parts of this important? Yes. To both sides of this, there are some fundamental things that are very important. Absolutely. But do we really believe that we are accomplishing anything with our own emotional health, with our ability to do ministry, with our call to help Jesus heal society, when we want to take up valuable time and news coverage and our personal engagement with God and one another on an issue such as this, when we have children who live less than a mile from this church who go to bed at night hungry. Do we want to get caught up in this media frenzy when we have literally millions in Mexico, in Texas, in Florida, and oh my goodness, Puerto Rico, who are fighting for their lives right now because they have lost everything, literally everything, all of their possessions. Some people have lost their health. Many people have lost family members, tons of loss. And we are nationally, as a people, fighting over the way that people either respect or disrespect themselves and our country at a football game where millions profit off of this controversy. Wow. We are in the first part of this gospel story, wondering where John's authority ultimately came from. We can do better. Again, I'm not taking sides. I'm saying we can do better, much better than this. The gospel of Jesus is one where we're called to seek out, to seek and find people who are not like us and get to know them. So I'm so proud of our work that we're doing with the school kids in Tanzania because we have attempted to reach out in relationship with people whom we would have otherwise never met. And we do so much more locally, because in, over the past 30 years, Trinity has been a place of taking our mission seriously and activating our ministries to welcome all in the name of Christ through worship, fellowship, and service we continue to go on that trajectory, but we aren't perfect. We still get bogged down. And we don't have our eyes and our hearts and our minds fixed completely on the living God and opening up the kingdom of God. We'd like to, but we don't. I read an essay this week that talked about the way that Christians especially Christian pastors, use social media. The essay wondered if many of the things that we say online would be something that we'd say to another human being face-to-face. -face. Or yet, even worse, 
those insults, those insults that we've thrown around or attempted to throw around or that we are tempted to throw around, do do we disrespect ourselves when we do this? Do we champion the kingdom of God by insulting others publicly? Are we disrespecting Jesus when we do this? A lot to think about. Today's gospel is all about recognizing. Recognizing that God's hands are actually stretched out and welcoming. The presence of divine love that Jesus offers is for you in your best moments in your life, but even more importantly, in your worst. God's healing presence is definitely meant for you, but it's meant for the whole world. It's meant for everybody. Even those that sometimes you might find really difficult that God would love as much as God loves you. But God does because in the kingdom of God, we are all prostitutes and tax collectors. We're all the people who try to get our lives in order in one way or another, but we realize we are not perfect. We aren't going to always follow the rules. We can't. We try, but we can't. And so even when we think we've made a mess of everything, the window to a life alongside God gets opened by a Savior. Jesus. We say he's the firstborn of all creation, the fully human, fully divine being that understands what being fully alive is about more than anyone who has ever lived or ever will be. Jesus, the master who teaches his disciples that it's not always about rules, conforming to a rigid set of rules. It's about having a heart and cultivating that heart. Cultivating that heart with God so that you can love beyond your own imagination of how you can love. Jesus, who promises an abundant welcome to all people, when you start opening windows of opportunities, windows when you open windows of grace and blessing, when you open windows on how to love for yourself But even more importantly, when you do this for others. And when you do all these things, you work alongside Jesus. Along the way, you'll probably stumble, and you're going to get mad some of the time. Things sometimes might be a total disaster. You'll get frustrated, really frustrated. And you'll really want a how-to playbook at some point because heart work is hard work. But you'll also encounter the greatest sense of love and joy that you have ever known. This work is going to require all of you. Your heart, your mind, and it will require your soul. Your willingness to bring your whole essence into this work. And when you do, you will be blessed. You'll live your life wholeheartedly. And you'll know the true meaning of real love and belonging. Because to Jesus, you do belong.